Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As Jesus and his disciples walked along, Jesus asked them, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? The disciples answered Jesus. They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. In other words, the disciples were noting or telling back to Jesus, everybody thinks that you are amazing. You are right up there with all of the prophets who have gone before. All of our heroes of the faith Jesus, they're saying, the world is saying that you're just like them. He was being compared with the greatest who had ever lived. The problem with that is that the prophets always pointed to somebody greater than themselves. Jesus was not a prophet. He was not foretelling of somebody who was coming after him. And his disciples knew it. And Jesus then asked the disciples, but who do you say that I am? And Peter replied for all of the disciples, because they all believed it. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And with Peter's answer, all the disciples agreed. Jesus is the son of God. That was their confession. And Jesus told those disciples that this was the confession that all the church would stand on. That Jesus is God in man's place. And after this revelation, Jesus began to teach the disciples. He told them that the Christ, that is, he himself, must go to Jerusalem and he must suffer many things. And he must be handed over to the chiefs, the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. And he must be killed. And on the third day, rise. Wait a minute. Didn't Peter just confess that Jesus was the son of God? That means that Peter just confessed that Jesus is God with us. God cannot die. A God is to be glorified, not crucified. Peter took Jesus aside. And Peter began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Peter saw his following Jesus as a journey. A journey that just so happened to go from one victory to the next. As he followed Jesus, he saw the small beginnings. And he saw that things were continuing to get better and better. And he thought that's the way it was going to go. That things just got greater and greater and greater until all the enemies were gone and Jesus was sitting in glory. Peter believed in what we call a theology of glory that saw obedience to Jesus as something that should be rewarded and rewarded now. But Jesus did not come to earth 
to be glorified. He laid aside his glory so that he could come to earth and be crucified for our salvation. Jesus turned to Peter and he said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but you are setting your mind on the things of man. You see, God is motivated by love. God is motivated by love, and this caused him to send his son to earth. He caused him to send his son to those sitting in the darkness of sin. And man, in his sin, is motivated by pleasure, ease, escape, glory, notoriety, and other selfish pursuits. That describes me. I I was telling... preached at Lutheran High School this, this week, and in that I told them that I want my daughter to sleep through the night. Not because I love her and want her to have a good night's rest, but because I love me. <laughs> and I want me to have a good night's rest. My motivations for her being good is for me. But God is motivated by love. And it is because of love that Jesus is without sin. It is because of love that he would defile himself with our sin. That he would take on our guilt. That he would take on our shame. Love would cause him who knew no sin to become our sin. And love would cause him, as our sin, to take each heavy, impossible, painful step towards the cross. Jesus is the way of love. And he told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Jesus calls us to die to self. How do we do this? How do we die to self? We confess our sin. We give it to Jesus. For he has already paid for it by his death. You see, the focus of God, it was always the cross of Jesus. Always. Right from the moment Adam sinned in the garden, from the moment that God rescued Noah by the flood, From the moment that God confused the people at Babel. From the moment that God used Moses to lead his people through the Red Sea on dry ground. From the moment that God used Elijah to make his people stand up to false prophets and the rulers of this world. 
from the moment that God used King David to set up a kingdom of peace, from the moment that the angel Gabriel told a young virgin in Nazareth that she would give birth to a son, every moment, every breath, every spoken word that was delivered by the law and the prophets had their focus in the cross of Jesus. Love was going to die so that sinners could be forgiven. This is where love led. After six days, all that talk about the cross, Jesus shared with Peter that the Christ must die. Six days later, after that, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, it is good that we are here. If you wish, we will make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. What was Peter saying? He was saying, see Jesus, <laughs> this is what I was talking about when I said that you shouldn't die. See Jesus, we made it. We made it all the way up to this moment where you are glorified. Aren't you glad you didn't go and die? <laughs> Let's set up three tents right here. You don't have to feel bad that I was right. <laughs> Let's set up three tents. That is tabernacles. That is places of worship. And let us worship you here. On this mountain. Like you deserve. I think this for Peter, this is what he wanted all along. Sure, he was frightened and sure he was overwhelmed. But he was in God's glory. He had heard Jesus' words of forgiveness he had that he had received in the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And now here he was in glory. But little did Peter know, this was nothing. This was just a glimpse of who Jesus is. Remember, this is who Jesus was and is and who is to come. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the first and the last. He is eternal. And his home was heaven in glory. This is Jesus who Moses and Elijah came up on the mountain to see. He is Jesus, the one who Moses and Elijah pointed to. This mountain was not the point. And this glory was nothing that Jesus had to earn. This glory is Jesus showing them. That, that is Peter, James, and John showing them who he is. 
And Peter was still speaking when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from that cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell on their face, and now they were terrified. Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, have no fear. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. The disciples, they were not ready to hear the full glory of the triune God. And when the Father spoke, they fell on their faces, plumb terrified. And when God came to them in his mercy, he came to them in his Son, and Jesus told them, Rise, have no fear. As I read this week, those were blood-bought words. Have no fear. Those were blood-bought words. The, The sentence, rise and have no fear, said to sinners, is only made possible because of where Jesus was going. Jesus, in his perfect love, was leading them to his cross where his perfect love would cause, would cast out all of their fear as he exhaled his final breath. You see, the beloved son was coming down from his place of glory. And he was coming down from the mountain of transfiguration. And he was making his way to another mountain. A mountain from which the one who shined in glory would be stripped and nailed and bleed for you and me. He would climb up a mountain where he would leave behind the Father's love in order to be crushed, smitten by God, and afflicted. And in his agony, the beloved, the one with whom God was well pleased, would become forsaken. In his forsakenness, he will cry out, Eli, Eli, Laba Sabachthani, that is, my God, My God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, the glorious one, never had to work to gain his glory. He laid aside his glory and became our sin. He became a curse so that we, cursed ones, could be forgiven. He did this so that we can be with him in heaven. Love caused him to be forsaken. Love caused him to do what was necessary to make us forgiven. And for this unbearable moment that we can never fully understand, he gave up sonship so that we could be sons. And you are all sons of God through faith. 
For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir through Christ. Did you catch that last part about who God made you to be? Jesus made you an heir. He did not make you an heir by his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. He made you an heir through his shame on the mountain of Calvary. But because he made you an heir, your future is to shine with glory. The same glory that Jesus shone on the Mount of Transfiguration. Paul writes, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform or transfigure our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things unto himself. This is your future because of Jesus' work. You have nothing to prove. But like Jesus, you have love to share. You have nothing to prove, but you have love to share. You have the love that he gave you. And because of his love that washed you, his love that you eat and drink, you are able to set aside your future glory and pick up the cross of love that others may know Jesus who paid for their sins as well. This isn't a country club. This is sinners gathered around a Savior who didn't just come to save us. We don't live on this earth seeking out glorious mountaintop experiences. In Christ, we set aside our glory and we love our neighbor as ourself. That is so that in Christ, they too would become heirs of heaven. We are God's children now, and we look forward to what is to come as we walk with Jesus down this Mount of Transfiguration and we travel through the season of Lent to the mountain of Calvary. And now may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen. Amen.